day and welcome, uh, worshippers of Zitalu and the like. Um, <laughs> I was joking. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. To uh, Comic Cave episode... Oh, what episode is this? I already lost count. Episode four, I believe. Four? Yeah. Um, I'm Ramsey, and with me, as always, is... Megan. And uh, what are we talking about today, Megan? We are talking about uh, Vertigo's Eye Zombie by Chris Roberson. Illustrated by Michael Allred. It was nominated for the 2011 Eisner Award for Best New Series. It has 28 issues. So this episode, we're probably going to do a little bit differently than the last three. Spoiler alert. We will not hold back. Yeah. Be prepared. We will not spoil the TV show for you because they are nothing alike. Yeah. But we will probably uh, spoil the comic for you. Um because I do like this comic, but Megan is not a big fan of it. Um, <laughs> and uh, so it's probably going to be a little bit more spoiled than the other episodes. Okay, so we're just going to go a little bit into the authors. Um, so, okay, Chris Roberson, uh, native Texan, grew up uh, thereabouts uh, Dallas. <laughs> so, you know, that's nowhere near where we are. No. Um, nowhere near nowhere us at all. all. Um, on Wikipedia, his occupation is listed as author, publisher, and trombonist. <laughs> and I was like, what? Okay, cool. Um, all right, Will Riker. <laughs> and then illustrated by Michael Allred, who also designed and drew the opening credits for the TV series, fun fact. You can kind of tell. Yeah, you can kind of tell. <laughs> it's a really good opening song. Yeah. Okay, and then Allred... I, I'm not sure what he's worked on, really. I, I didn't recognize a lot of it. Roberson had worked on some Fable stuff. Right. Yeah. And then the CW show is extremely loosely adapted, like we said. It stars uh, Rose McIver and Raul Coley and uh, no one else. <laughs> I think there's other people there. <laughs> no one that matters. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right, so instead of going into our uh, our headlines like we normally might, maybe this time we'll just kind of do more of a, a summary of the various volumes. Okay, so first volume, Dead to the World. Cute title. Okay, <laughs> 2013, set in Eugene, Oregon. Gwen Dillon, which is a mishearing of Gwendolyn. So Dillon is not her last name, but we don't find that out until later. Um, it introduced the premise and the characters. So Gwen is a gravedigger, but she's also a zombie. Um, and it is obvious she's like purple. <laughs> um, once a month, she has to eat a brain to keep from losing her memories. I don't know how she learned this um, and how she came up with a month, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, these, them's the rules. Uh, you become a zombie once a month. Uh, brains. Um, and apparently they taste terrible. Uh, she gains the memories of the dead person, so she may or may not deal with their unfinished business, uh, Ghost Whisperer style, and may or may not paint pictures to sort out those memories. I'm not really sure how that works, or if she always does it, but she seems to be just painting lots of pictures. Yeah, I, I mean, the whole comic is set in Eugene, Oregon, um, so it's all kind of um, this like kind of hipster town near Portland. I just didn't get that vibe from it because everything seems so old. Everything does seem old. That's true, but I, I, I guess that's the um, the impression I got. It was supposed to have. So uh, yeah, Gwen is kind of an artist. Um, she's just not very <laughs> good, uh, from what we're told. 
and uh, from what we see, really. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's not something she picks up from eating brains. Like she's not getting this personality trait from the brains she eats. She just happens to be a painter, so she paints. So maybe she was an art student. Memories. Yeah. Okay, so other characters include Scott, who they call Spot, which I think is rude. Um, he is a wear terrier. Uh, don't ask questions about it. It's exactly what it sounds like. And Ellie is uh, a kitschy ghost friend who lives in the cemetery with Gwen, basically. She just floats around all the time looking just super fab. <laughs> yeah. Just like big hair and fake eyelashes and whatnot. And, you know, what are they called? Oh, uh, go-go boots. Go-go boots, yeah. Yeah. The Foster Corporation. This is important. I'm going to have Ramsey explain this one. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, the Foster Corporation. So we learn a little bit about them throughout the series, but never we learn a whole lot. But basically, they're monster hunters. They're dream boats in lab coats. <laughs> yeah, for some reason, they wear these, these long white coats that look like lab coats. Which you would never want to wear if you wanted to get zombie juice out of you, as we learned from Mockingbird. Yeah, seriously, like, you're, you're going to get so much zombie juice and blood all you over you You should just all the wear time basic black if you're going to get monsters. zombie juice on you. Yeah, and they wear black underneath, but, you know, <laughs> whatever. So... That's how you identify them. They wear the white coats. I guess part of it's maybe to make them look like they're going to be the heroes. Which it's not really the impression that we necessarily get. Yeah. And I, I guess at least they think of themselves as the heroes. Oh, no question. Certainly. And uh, they, they've been around for hundreds of years killing monsters, just going around places and killing monsters. They've, they've formed a giant corporation. It's called the Fosser corporation we're told that the earliest fossers were actually grave diggers so we can probably assume that like they were actually just some people digging graves in a cemetery when something rose from the dead and they were forced to kill it i like that you were forced to fill in the gaps where there wasn't <laughs> to actually an explanation yeah and uh and so from there probably like joined together with other people who were grave diggers and uh thus had discovered monsters and from there grew up and i mean they, they kind of we get the um <laughs> none of this stuff is actually in there uh, uh, you know a little it's kind of hinted at at points but um we do see that they're they're probably kind of supposed to be like the knights templar because we actually see like one period where the fosters are like uh in crusade garb um, which is not like a really a great way to to want to represent yourself i'm just gonna say <laughs> yeah but yeah, so they're basically supposed to be this like secret organization that's protecting the the world from monsters for like thousands of years. And they they don't work for uh, Rome yes. or the Catholic Church or anything. Or the Vatican, yeah, yeah the Vatican. Um, Nothing to do with the Vatican. So it's different, at least. Yeah, it's not a holy <laughs> crusade at this point. At least, it's not a holy crusade. It's just fighting uh, monsters. Okay, <laughs> so our two main fossers are Horatio. The hunter and uh, Diogenes, who is not an ancient Greek cynic. He hasn't been around for that long. So. <laughs> He's from Detroit. It's cool. Yeah. These people are humans. It is important to emphasize. Yes, they they are, which separates them from a lot of characters in this comic. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and Diogenes looks wicked cool with a cool wicked scar yeah he's got this on his big cool wicked scar face and like a weird eye that's like just blank he looks amazing yeah character design excellent <laughs> and then horatio is like the uh the dream boat mm -hmm, absolutely um, young asian dream boat. dream boats in in uh, lab coats yeah um so yeah 
he is um, Gwen's love interest. Um, they fall in love immediately. Yeah. It is very bizarre. It's like it, I, they like see each other for the first time, and there's like a like a visual explosion on the page. <laughs> it's like boom, these two are in love. You know, like that's how it happens. Apparently, <laughs> I'm told by um, comics. Which, I mean, that would be cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, there's also an all-lady vampire paintball squad. They run a business. Uh, they're business women. It's called Blood Sports Paintball. Their business model is excellent. Um, <laughs> they uh, are basically a sorority of girls who have become vampires, so they need to drink blood. Um, they lure men in by being, you know, sexy vampire chicks who I guess aren't out as being vampires, but whatever. Okay. And then they prey on the person who is drunkest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then everybody goes home happy. Yay. Yeah. So it's it's important to note, I guess, that uh, they're not killing. They, they don't drink them dry. However, it is also important to note that Nemia doesn't have like a whole lot of, uh, she's the main vampire. She doesn't have a whole lot of sympathy for people if they happen to get killed. Yeah, that's true. She's, She's a self-sustaining sort, I, I think. She's she's very business-minded. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> uh, like if if you're a bad employee, like you're you're gone. Yeah. Um, and one of her friends is indeed a bad employee. Yes. And maybe a bad person. She's a hot mess. Um, she is a hot mess. That's she true. she is truly terrible. Um, she is uh, sexually voracious, literally voracious. She can't stop eating people. Um. <laughs> And she just, she just can't. She just can't. Yeah, the the paintball is not enough for her. She goes out at night on her own and and, and kills people. That's a real no now. It yeah. gets her into trouble though. And then um, eventually, uh, Gwen's old friend Trisha becomes a vampire, but we don't even need to go into that. Yeah, because it, it doesn't happen until later. Really, isn't important. No, <laughs> actually, you know what? Trisha's not important. It it seemed like it was gonna be a big deal, and then it was just like over. It was almost like a throwaway um, issue. Yeah. But it was one of the only issues where Gwen actually did the thing that was basically the premise of the entire comic. <laughs> um, so she actually went and like ghost whispered away the mystery or whatevs. Right. Of the brain that she ate. And uh, it turns out it was a childhood friend. Yay. But I mean, not yay, because things didn't turn out well. Yeah. But, you know, everyone's dead. So, from Trisha, we can actually get to Francisco, but we haven't even talked about uh, Galatea. So, should we go into The Bride of Frankenstein, Cruella de Vil? <laughs> sure. Oh, we haven't talked about Amon. Oh my god, we haven't talked about We Amon. have to talk about Amon first. We really do have to talk about Amon before we can talk about Galatea. I didn't even write him down, did I? Oh, I called him Mr. Exposition. <laughs> so Mr. Exposition is a mummy in leisure wear with a pet leopard who turns out to be his wife, DC's cheetah. So what I wrote down. <laughs> well, that's a uh, that's a pretty good description. Um, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. So he, but he, Eamon, I don't know how much we want to say right now. I mean, go ahead and spoil it or not. I do not care. Um, okay. Uh, Eamon is actually the one he convinces Gwen while she's still alive. We see we learn this much later on, but he convinces her why she's still alive um, to kill herself um, in order to for her to become a zombie 
in the first place. So he's actually the one responsible for Gwen being a zombie. He's a real expletive deleted. Um, <laughs> yes, he certainly is. And uh, so he he has like no morals, um, as we learn through the comic. Uh, he's and do not go in his basement. Yeah, do not go in his basement. There is a skee ball table down there, but mm. um... <laughs> don't let him lure you with skee ball to his basement. Um, yeah, so he he pretty much loves kidnapping. He he is uh, he is basically the exposition of the comic. He he kind of explains everything, and he he doesn't do a lot for most of the comic. Other well, than he kind certainly of... seems to be everywhere. Yeah, I mean, he is kind of everywhere, but mostly he just kind of like answers questions and uh, explains. There's no, there's no real doing of anything until kind of towards the end with uh, Zatala I mean, and everything. He, he was like he a conquistador or something. So yeah, in his in his long history, he must have done you know. some stuff. <laughs> he married a leopard. I mean, we do see a little <laughs> bit of his past. Like he was in Paris, like in like the what was it, like the 1600s or something, and uh, or 1800s. Yeah, I'm thinking 1800s. I guess. 1890s. It was it a long like, time ago. It looked um, Victorian. And he was a conquistador. He was... Okay, so he's actually a mummy man in this comic. So we're going to go into the lore whenever we talk about um, uh, Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. So... Well, well just, yeah, I wasn't going to go into the lore yet. Yeah. But he, he was... Just to explain, like, because this is like a mashup of monsters. He's basically the mummy man for this because he was actually born in Egypt and died in Egypt, ancient Egypt, and was wrapped up as a mummy and before he rose from the dead himself. Um, so he, he still occasionally wears a mummy outfit for no apparent reason other than to be the mummy man. Wait, what? Yeah. Well, at the beginning, like in the, the like the first like issue, he's like wrapped up like a mummy for no apparent reason. I didn't see that. <laughs> <laughs> All I remember is his leisure wear. He's got like a cute tracksuit. Yeah, he was wearing the leisure and he's, wear. And he's got like his leisure wear. He was wearing the leisure wear over all the wraps of being a mummy. Okay, well, that's just weird. <laughs> what? I, it was probably like a seaweed wrap, Ramsey. No, it wasn't. It was a mummy wrap. Of course it was a seaweed wrap. Okay. Anyway, so yeah. It's just good, just so you know. Skin. Um, he is a mummy man. And then another monster that is um, in this monster mashup is the Bride of Frankenstein, Galatea. Mm-hmm. Galatea. She's the Bride of Frankenstein slash Cruella de Vil. I'm just going to add that in there. <laughs> so she has evil plans to summon and contain Zitalu, who is not Cthulhu uh, TM. But um, <laughs> she tries to recruit Amon. Uh, to her cause she hangs out with a coffee pot she hangs out with a coffee pot they call him dr kovsky um they call him dr coffee because that's the second thing that you say yeah um we call him krang in a coffee pot (laughs) 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 because obvious reasons i feel like uh he's he's a brain in a jar krang the living brain he's a brain in a coffee pot and he's not important at all She's often seen carrying a dodecahedron of playground equipment around for reasons <laughs> that will not become clear. I because mean, maybe the will. dodecahedron. It's so holy. Has I cosmic guess cosmic power. It's fine. Whatever. <laughs> it's really. She's she's all over the place. She's doing a lot of stuff, and she always has her lips. Her lips are like like puckered like a fish at all times. <laughs> 
Looks like she's had some work done over the centuries. I guess she's she's always in that um that uh, Instagram pose that people are calling oh, duck, duck face. face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Galatea has duck face. It's fine. It's like permanent duck face. Mm-hmm. She has resting duck face though. It's <laughs> Resting hashtag resting duck. <laughs> don't this. don't make that. Don't make that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, you're right. I, I don't like people using the word the term duck face in general, so I'm not going to create a new hashtag <laughs> with it. No, okay, so so um that's where Francisco comes in. Um, Galatea is uh stealing bodies. Uh, she's so she's grave robbing with her a vampire pal who she basically kidnapped i guess she brought her back to life yeah yeah Yeah. the reason the fosters were in town was because of the bad the vampire who was causing trouble right it was because of claire um so the vampires claire the hot mess vampire yeah the vampires make a deal with the fosters to like give her to the fosters and they kill her and um bury her and then galatea just digs her back up and like revives her um, and, uh, and so now she's like Galatea's slave. So she's she's <laughs> just like, assistant. she's walking around with no pants, uh, helping with autopsies. Yeah. And, uh, we have no reason to question this, I guess. <laughs> so Francisco comes across the table. He is a corpse. He is Gwen's childhood friend, Trisha's, uh, ex-boyfriend who died. Yes. For unsupernatural reasons i think yeah i think it was i think it was pretty just pretty much just regular reasons so uh claire sees this corpse of francisco and she's like damn yeah uh <laughs> she she's like vampire damn and like i don't know if that's different but um she's like i want this one <laughs> and galatea agrees she thinks that is a great corpse um <laughs> prime prime meat <laughs> i guess Prime grade, prime grade corpse. So they think that Zatalu should be in in this awesome bod, and so that one gets raised. Um, and Claire is given basically the job of like hanging around with him. Um, he came back dumb. Yeah, I I do rather like him. <laughs> you, you know, some of the characters are interesting conceptually. Yeah. Um, and some of the characters end up being, you know, they sort of grow on you a little bit, but like the overall effect is that they're just a lot of characters. <laughs> Okay, so we already established that Zatalu is Cthulhu. Things also come around as accessories to Zatalu, but yeah, let's see. Should we talk about Volume 2 or the Dead Presidents? So the Dead Presidents are basically the Howling Commandos. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the monster version. The, the monster Howling Commandos. Yeah. They are a clandestine government organization. Is the organization called Vale? The organization, yeah, is called Vale. I guess the, the comic within a comic is called Dead Presidents. Yeah. And um, Vale is the government organization. Yeah. And Ramsey, tell me who is the uh, who is the head? The the head of the, the dead presidents? The head of the dead presidents. Is the greatest dead president of all. <laughs> Zombie Lincoln. Of course. <laughs> of course. Lincoln hates plays. Okay. <laughs> um <laughs> So, that that happened. (laughs) And uh, so, I don't know how proud they were of that concept, but it got done. So, uh, Kennedy describes herself as a sentient post-mortem with cerebral dependencies. Um, Nixon is a Thundercat, Chitara. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Ford is like a Frankenstein? Um, And then, I don't even know what anyone else is one of them is a ghost who's possessing bodies is that is that who madison is i couldn't really figure it out 
I think that's Madison, yeah. Okay. Um, well, basically, I just, like, Kennedy is an awesome character. Um, and it's pretty much the highlight of the whole situation. <laughs> so, yeah, she's rad. She's a badass. So they're, they're also zombie hunters like the Fossers. But they're a government organization. Um, an American government organization. But isn't their base, like, underneath um, Arlington Cemetery? Or it is, like yes. That? And and the, they're like, guards are always there. I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, that's funny, because I, I can't believe I didn't think of that, because I think the previous week I'd done the X-Files comic where the lone gunmen were, uh, had a base <laughs> Oh, my Arlington God, yes, Cemetery. that's right. So that's really f- I can't believe I didn't think of that when I was reviewing it. But um. So, I mean, how do they cohabitate that? That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Actually, since the lone gunmen are, I guess, kind of dead, depending on who oh, you yeah. ask. There you go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they have become dead presidents. You know what? They would love that because of their name. They would. Oh, God. Oh, it's all fitting. It's all, um. all the pieces are coming together. <laughs> we figured something out. But, uh, oh, I can't remember what I was going to say now. <laughs> <laughs> you just got too excited. Yeah, I got too excited about them being under Arlington Cemetery. Uh, oh, they're, they're okay, yeah, so they're also monster <laughs> hunters, but they are also monsters themselves. So. Yeah, so they're, so they're, like, humane monster hunters. So, you know, at one point, they, like, catch a vampire, and they're like, oh, don't worry, I'm not going to hurt you. Oh, my God. Yeah. Cal- calm down. And, like, with Gwen, they're not going to hurt her. You know, they just, they wanted to recruit her. Right. At some point. Um, and that was during the terrible art uh, issue. Yes. <laughs> so um, we'll talk about that in a little bit. So there is another important character um, who is two characters, I suppose. Oh, and then I just remembered another one. There's all kinds of stuff. <laughs> there's, there's a it's, lot of characters. It's really going around where you have like two things in your body. Gwen has a little brother uh, that she doesn't know about for most of the comic. He is into comics. His favorite comic is called Phantasm, which is, I guess, the spirit, basically. Basically, it seems like. Little brother Gavin gets possessed by the Phantasm. Yeah. That's the... It turns out the Phantasm is real. Yes, the Phantasm is real. Because <laughs> his creator was possessed by the phantasm. So he didn't actually come up with the character. He was possessed by him. Well, that's what we think. And then he was made a bunch of comics based on this thing that actually existed. And apparently TV show adaptations got made as well. Yes. So that's cool. And uh, presumably radio programs because it seems like the kind of thing. Right. (laughs) And apparently um, the phantasm is a real homophobe. So... (laughs) Yeah, the the phantasm is clearly inspired by um, like early uh, Steve Ditko characters, such as Mister A and the Question, who are very, very like black and white, like literally physically when you look at them, but also <laughs> in their like moral judgments of like this is good and this is bad and nothing is in between. But I've no got gray. question face. Um, I have to be in the gray, right? <laughs> yeah, see, well, the question was a little bit more... Um, the question has changed much. He was, he was a little light, lighter <laughs> in that area and he's changed a lot. So the same kind of inspiration that led to Rorschach, who who also actually makes a, a comment about uh, gay people, I believe, at one point in Watchmen. In the Phantasm's um, classic moral view of the world, homosexuality is definitely bad in the bad category. Well, it seems like when you went and you possessed somebody's body and you made a, an agreement to share it 
part-time, you would check some stuff out first. Right. Uh, to make this uh, work for both of you. I'm just saying, you look at an apartment before you buy it. See if you've got any incompatibilities. So right. stop being such a dick. Okay. I, d- I don't want to talk about uh, your monkey grandpa. <laughs> Yeah, that, that whole storyline's kind of a mess. Let's just skip it for now. I'll be a monkey's uncle. Ugh, God, I'll be no. Grandpa. Stop, stop. Okay. <laughs> so, volume three, Scott gets trapped in a cave of zombies. Yes. Um, Don't ask how it happens. It's not important. <laughs> I think he just kind of falls. <laughs> I, I think he's probably looking for Gwen or something. Yeah. I can't remember. It's not important. So he ends up in a cave full of zombies that's underneath the... um the graveyard that Gwen lives in and Ellie lives in. And I should just say that like Scott knows about uh, the ghost and the zombie aspect of his two friends. Yes. Um, Cause they hang out at Dixie's firehouse, which is some sort of old timey diner, which is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> and that is the only place they can go to apparently. Yeah. It's really interesting. But uh Apparently, he just opens up to these two chicks that what I guess he feels like he knows and tells them that he's a were-terrier. And they're like, that's cool, whatever. Uh, apparently, we're monsters, too. Yeah. And it's just like, I find this all very unlikely. <laughs> I just like, I feel like you'd guard your secret a little better, but hmm, whatever. But he's just so in love with her. Yes. Uh, Scott is, is said to be in love with Gwen. I, I don't know. There are problems, but. There's also a side comic, sort of, um, about Diogenes' 1980s Brazilian adventures um, <laughs> with Horatio's mom, who is so British that her name is Bridia. Uh, I'm not making this up. She's a badass who carries a samurai sword, and even though it sounds like they should be having sexy times in Brazil, they are not. They're not <laughs> having sexy times, and they will not. No. Uh, in fact- Diogenes is not Horatio's secret dad. Yeah. Everyone. Just stop. So it actually seems like they're supposed to have basically the same relationship Diogenes has with Horatio. Basically. It's like she's kind of the experienced, like the older experienced agent, and he's like the young. Um, <laughs> Idiot with an amazing haircut. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> His haircut. The he's like, this is going to be easy. And it's just like, oh my God, your hair. <laughs> and he's like, oh, chicks in Rio. Yeah. He's like, yowza, carnival. And it's like, this is not a good time, dude. (laughs) So, yeah, that was quite a hell of a thing. It was kind of entertaining, honestly. So they visit the temple of Zitalu deep in the Amazon. And where Zitalu goes, uh, monsters also go. And they meet the um, stark naked queen of the vampires in the temple of Zitalu for reasons. Yes. Um, so basically the upshot of this adventure is that it was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. And, and didn't really get us anywhere except it kind of told us some stuff about Horatio's mom, I guess. Yeah. It's a little bit of world building and backstory. I suppose so. A little bit. Uh, and this, uh, comic actually does that a lot. Um, it'll just like do a throwaway side issue that's like a few pages long for, you know, those purposes. Yeah. Notable, um, also, as we're moving into Volume 4, Repossessed, Kennedy has a trippy 60s flashback um, (laughs) where rock and roll and, you know, music for hobbits is discussed. Music for hobbits, yeah. 
That's what, that's what it says. So it's basically an exposition marathon where everyone wanders the streets, fights monsters, have random reunions, and things get resolved very quickly. <laughs> well, volume four is. Yes, volume four. That's what I'm talking about. Well, you were talking about the 60s flashback, so I just wanted to clarify, that's not what happened in the 60s flashback. This is what happened in the rest of Volume 4. Mm, yeah. That's all you got? Huh? That's all you got. That's all you got? Mm-hmm. So you're not even going to explain, like, what's going on? I guess I would hope you would. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> so yeah, beyond that, just kind of wandering around and everyone meeting each other, um, well, you, you definitely get the feeling during Volume 4 that they learned they were going to get canceled, so they're going to just tie up everything as quickly as they could. And they really should have resisted the urge. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they everything is thrown in there last minute. I mean, there's a lot of moments where it's like, why did that happen? Um, and it's because that's where they wanted that eventually to go, and it just, like, and they're like, well, this is the last chance we have to do it. So here it is. There's a lot of tying up of uh, like doomed love stories. Just like a lot of it. Yeah, it's true. And like, <sighs> yeah, it's pretty annoying. <laughs> um, it's like, I love you. I'm going to die. Oh, my, my God. It's mom and dad. I haven't seen you. <laughs> Why and are you here? This, like, <laughs> apparent love story that was going on between Eamon and Galatea that Which was not there not, at never all happened. at any other point. Eamon's married to a leopard, <laughs> so why would he need a lady who looks like Cruella de Vil yeah. and always has duck face? <laughs> yeah. I guess he really loves duck face. Oh, God, no, um, I hope not. He loves skee-ball, though. Yeah, but so I guess it turns out the overarching plot of the whole thing is that like we said, Zitalu is coming, and um, that means even more monsters, like these multidimensional monsters, are coming into the world. And um, both Galatea and Amon had a plan for what they were, how they were going to deal with Zitalu coming in. They were different plans. Um, there were different plans. Zitalu, uh, sorry, Zitalu. Zitalu wanted. Um, well, Zitalu wanted to eat the universe. He wanted That's to eat he everything. <laughs> He's he hungry. Yeah. Um, Galatea's plan was to like use the dodecahedron to to force Zitalu's essence into Francisco, um, so she could like control it and conquer the world or something. Or something. And I. It's really unclear what what she thought was going to happen at this point. Yeah. Like if she was going to become like the vice queen of the world, I don't know. <laughs> and then, Amon's plan was to like sacrifice an entire town all at once um, and hope that that um, shooting all those spirits into Zitalu all at once would like push him back out of the universe and he would he would like circle back around after eating a bunch of other universes again um, some point in the future well what he wanted to do was stuff Gwen so full of souls that she was just like full to burst and then just like feed her to Zitalu right yeah yeah um, so that's what was happening there, as absurd as it sounds. Yeah. He taught her some, like, mystical leaving your body tricks. Yes. Um, to consume <laughs> souls without consuming brains. Whatever. Um, and that was real dumb. <laughs> so that's what happened. Um, <laughs> should we spoil the end? I mean, I guess we can. So the end is super fast. 
Yes. Um, like a- after dragging on for an entire like several issues with just like this nonsense uh, of of just like oh you're over there I'm over here you're over there we're over here <laughs> what's happening Zitalu Zitalu and it's just like oh my god suddenly Gwen gets this bright idea. Are you? Are you? Are you? I'm struggling to describe it. <laughs> Gwen gets this idea basically to um. She because the whole thing is that Amon has been teaching her to consume other souls, and that's basically what she's doing when she's eating the brains. Um, so he's found like kind of teaching her a way to do it, like I guess more efficiently. So she kind of realizes what's Zitalu if not just another soul. So since I'm already a zombie who eats souls, maybe I can just go eat Zitalu. So she just does. <laughs> so she does. Is <laughs> she just does? She, she just does it, and it's like one page, and she does it, <laughs> and it was just like. Horatio's all like, oh no. (laughs) And she becomes a giant naked lady and she just goes ahead and eats him and it's over. Yeah. And there you go. (laughs) And she repairs the hole in the universe and just like goes and has multi-universe adventures, I guess. Yeah, just like (laughs) interdimensional fun for the rest of all time? Yes. In space. Yeah. She's she's a thing of Earth now. I don't know. <laughs> um so that happened. That was <laughs> I don't know. It's hard not to laugh about it because it was just like so what on earth? Yeah. And just like it came out of absolutely nowhere. Cause like the entire thing is just like them struggling with like, you know, these dumb like relationship triangle problems. Like, <laughs> you know, Scott and um and Gwen's brother Gavin are just like, oh, we like each other, sort of. But also, I'm being possessed by other entities. Yeah. <laughs> and and they're homophobes. Oh, no, oh, my God, I'm a terrier. <laughs> yeah. Also, I thought I was in love with your sister, maybe. I don't know. Whatever. But uh, I guess not. But I guess not, because I got over it really quickly. Um, <laughs> And in the midst of that, there are like, vaguely treated supernatural problems or not so vaguely treated just like covered but not touched really like Eamon is wandering around Eamon has a leopard wife (laughs) and you know vampires love paintball (laughs) and sometimes they get out of control and the Bride of Frankenstein is also here it's fine Yeah, she's ineffectual (laughs) and Throughout all these problems, it's like, okay, we're done. <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> it, it touches on so many things, and it just never really, like, does anything with any of them. No, I would have liked um, to pick, I don't know, three or four plot lines <laughs> <laughs> and just go at those with intensity. And I would like none of those plot lines to involve a monkey grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> first negative zone point, monkey. <laughs> How did you Got know? It. How did you know? Uh, we'll talk about it in a minute because we'll cover that in um in negative zone. But first, um, we should definitely start with Infinity Gauntlet instead. Okay, let's do Infinity Gauntlet. Is that the sound of the Oversoul? <laughs> Sure. Is that is that is that in worship of Zitalu? 
Oh, we're denizens of Zitalu. Wait, would that just mean they live there? I don't know. Yeah, Whatever. I mean, they live there, yeah. Well, maybe he is a universe. I don't know. It's not clear. He doesn't have a single uh, spoken line. He's not like, hey, guys, I want to eat you. <laughs> or what up? I'm, I'm in your universe. Is <laughs> <laughs> how I imagine he sounds when he talks. Well, he does look like an octopus, so yeah. He's like, calamari. <laughs> Oh yeah, I guess no one at home could see that I was doing like an arm. <laughs> <laughs> I forget, oh, no one no. can see me. We've gone as far as we can go with that weird joke. <laughs> or as far as we should. Yeah, and a little further. So, I think one of the main things that we both wanted to mention probably um, that was good about the comic was the lore. Yeah. There was actually a point, I mean, the kind of the first time I was reading the comic, I really felt that the comic, it felt like it was being made specifically for the lore. Like, they came up with this idea for the lore, and that's all they were going to talk about. And it didn't end up being really that much that they talked about. Um, but No, actually, like they get cool. it laid out super fast. Yeah. And in a super entertaining way. Like, Amen takes us on, like, a literal walk through the past. Yeah. Because, like, they lay it out. I don't know, the paneling is interesting. Um in that one part, which kind of made me want to read it for this uh, podcast, <laughs> which was my first mistake. Um, <laughs> tricked. Tricked. Tricked by interesting paneling. Okay. Yeah. The Oversoul. Um, it's an essay by Ralph Waldo Emerson published in 1841 uh, because I'm the librarian and I have to tell you that legally. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, accomplished. So, The Oversoul is the conscious mind, thoughts, memories, and personality of a person. Right. So the undersoul is the unconscious emotions, fears, and appetites. So these different creatures manifest themselves because of the way their undersouls and oversouls are treated before and after death. Does that sound right? Yeah. Okay. So a ghost is the disembodied oversoul of a dead person. A zombie is a, actually, what is a zombie? A zombie is the um, uh, undersoul trapped in a body. Okay. <clears throat> so it, it, it hungers constantly, and it it it, it hungers for the part of the oversoul that it can't get to because the oversoul is housed in the brain. So um, since it doesn't have the oversoul, it hungers for the brain. That's why zombies eat brains. Cool. Which is actually kind of a cool explanation. <laughs> It makes more sense than some and less sense than most. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting. Um, so a were, uh, like, as in a were terrier or a were snow leopard. A lichen. Yes, or lycanthropy. They are possessed by an undersoul of a dead animal or thingy, uh, depending on your situation. Yeah. A revenant is a zombie who doesn't eat brains enough. Enough said. The revenant was the zombie... Was like the kind of the rare one where you kept both your undersoul and oversoul. Maybe it is in the in the body. That was the revenant. He 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 said that they were revenants because they kept both their oversoul and undersoul. So really, the comic should have been called "I Revenant." <laughs> that that sounds like a terrible French comic. <laughs> um. Okay. So also there are. Things that come along whenever uh, something tries to break through the universe, uh, be it a 
Zitalu or a Cthulhu, I suppose. Right. And they are called walk-ins, and they are people and things possessed by things from other universes mutated into different forms. So this may come in the form of a weird comic book character dude. Or it may come in the form of some super green guy who uh, is here to save the day. I don't know. It may also look like a terrifying spaghetti monster that is flying. <laughs> Do not worship it. I, As I recall, um, I actually was thinking that they looked, uh, some of the ones that showed up looked kind of like the uh, broccoli aliens from Powerpuff Girls. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought they looked a lot like spaghetti. Like spaghetti Ronald McDonald. <laughs> um, <laughs> which was obviously terrifying. <laughs> that sounds horrifying. <laughs> oh, yes, it was very scary. So, yeah. The lore. We're done. Yeah. So, interest. It's it's overall pretty interesting. So, definitely a high point. And then I guess say uh, a high point for me is uh, I I actually the main artist. Um, I really like the art. Um, Mike Allred. Mike Allred, and especially like I mentioned in the Mockingbird episode. Um, I think I really like coloring. I think that's a really important aspect to me. And Laura Allred, his wife. She she does a great job. I, I love like the pop art look a lot of it has. So I, I think they make a pretty good team. And it's it's not all great. Um, I mean, I, I definitely have some issues with the amount of times Mike Allred seems to feel he has to draw naked women. For for no reason. <laughs> uh, yeah, for I, absolutely. It no wouldn't reason. bother me if there were reasons, but like sometimes there's just like no reason. <laughs> yeah, just like a lot of scenes where it's like, why is she getting naked here? <laughs> Why or, is she getting naked for like three pages or like, here? Honestly, why are we watching her change right now? Couldn't yeah. we be like talking while we were somewhere else? Yeah. Like, and she do- she really does. Like, Gwen gets naked a lot. A lot. Like a whole lot. Yeah. Um, and it's like, okay, well, these are private moments of her life. I kind of feel like we're intruding on. So. Yeah. <laughs> feels weird. It feels a little excessive. Yeah. I mean, I probably wouldn't question it as much if it were like a female artist, but. Maybe I would. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, in in the the weird because the weird thing about it is there's just like never naked men basically. Like so, it's just a lot. It it, it there's not really naked other women either. It's like just our main character. We oh, just I don't know naked, that like, uh, Amazonian queen oh, of the, the vampires queen, was right. pretty naked. That's right. She was, she, she was the nakedest. That's true. I forgot about that character. Um. <laughs> also, uh, Francisco. There is Francisco, though. He's he just, is. He's walking around wearing his, like, <laughs> kind of, like, overcoat with, like, no shirt. Yeah. <laughs> like a Frankenstein does. So, <laughs> there, there is Francisco. Um, and a- Amon a little bit, like, when he's spirit walking, but, like, he's not. His, his spirit walking is, like, a much less revealing. His Casper the Friendly Ghost is, is uh, a little more Caspery than Gwen's. Yeah. Gwen's is a little more, like, defined. Busty. <laughs> Well, I mean, obviously it's bustier, but it's also more defined on the bottom. Yeah, it is. Which, you know, I mean, it's fine. Like, it's fine. It's just, um, whenever you do that, try to have some reasons. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's not like, I mean, it's not a bad thing or else this would go in the native zone. It's going in Infinity Gauntlet because I, I like his art overall. It's just weird. It, it is, it just is it, it's weird. a strong art style. It, um, it really is. And I, I feel like it's... Maybe more than half of the reason this thing was nominated for an Eisner, frankly. It's quite possible. I mean, just like to add to the appeal. Yeah. It's appealing looking. It is. So yeah, but overall, I'd say for me, high point would be uh, the art. 
So what about you? You have another high point? Yeah, actually, uh, the dead presidents. So we should definitely like try to get them to write one, uh, like a whole comic series about them, because <laughs> yeah. Kennedy is awesome. And it seems like a really punk rock clandestine service. <laughs> and just like, seriously, just like rock and roll, uh, killing monsters, Soviet monsters. Um, <laughs> so that was, that was like the strongest concept in there, basically. And I don't know, you, you sort of feel like the, I don't know, Kennedy's like another main character, I guess. Um, yeah. Cause you get, I don't know, you get important parts from her, but she's not as connected to the main characters. Which is disappointing, so it's almost kind of a negative zone. But. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I like the way they're introduced, too, because they're just kind of, like, introduced at the end of issues as these, like, little mini-comics. Um, so we just get these, like, seemingly unrelated at first adventures of these dead president's characters. I actually didn't like um, the way it seemed unrelated because it made me feel like, mm, this is superfluous. Yeah, well, I didn't like it at first, Um but, you know, once you realize that it does, it is connecting in. Because I always thought it was like a tie into like... somebody else's comic. I was like, well, this is shitty. <laughs> yeah, I, the first time I read the comic, I was like, oh, this dead president stuff. They're doing it again. But, like, by the time they actually, like, showed up <laughs> in the comic, I, I was getting pretty into it. Um, so, yeah, I guess <laughs> I, I rereading it, knowing it was coming, I think, helped a lot. Because I got a lot more excited for those parts. Yeah, yeah. Definitely going back at it, I was like, well, that was cool. Yeah. I guess my last Infinite Gauntlet point was I, I do kind of enjoy the humor of the comic. Like, I, I feel it was very uh, lighthearted in general. Um, and there were some good moments, some things that actually made me laugh. And, uh, I feel like if this comic had been done, like, all bleak and depressing the whole time, like, I, I don't think I would have even Well, that obviously wouldn't have worked. So, like, I, I appreciated the lightheartedness of it. And actually... Um, the thing when we were talking about Francisco earlier, the thing that I was going to mention about him, he, him having possibly my favorite moment in the comic was like when he like went to the bathroom and he came back with the um, the paper towel holder. And he was just like trying to give it to them. Oh, and Ellie is so sweet. Because <laughs> like Francisco comes back from the dead like kind of dumb. Yeah. And and so she she's just like, oh, no, I'm so sorry. Let me help you with that. Yeah. <laughs> And she's like, sometimes he can't think that good. <laughs> yeah. Ellie is the ghost character. Right. So, yeah, there's, um, I, I enjoyed some of the humor. I, and I'll, there were a lot of, like, elements of the humor that definitely felt flat or, or even were kind of a little offensive, um, particularly surrounding Scott. There were some moments that I did really enjoy, so. So I, I think we're ready to get negative. Sounds like we're landing a UFO. <laughs> I, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> I guess I asked you for a song that sounded like robots having sex. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, I guess I thought that was pretty negative. So, Monkey Grandpa. Oh, <laughs> well, that really is your first negative zone. Point. Oh my okay. god, yes. I hated Monkey Grandpa so much. So... Ramsey, I, I don't have the strength to explain Monkey Grandpa. Please do it for me. <laughs> okay, well, um, so Scott has this kind of random backstory of how his parents died when he was little. So he went to live with his grandfather 
and um he he was like kind of scared of his grandfather because he was like this weird old man he didn't really uh, know anything about and the way his grandfather um kind of like made his way in one scott's favor was by um doing the voice of this cartoon character mr chimp i get i think he was actually actually the voice of mr he was he was the voice actor behind mr chimp yeah and and which is an old-timey cartoon so old-timey that it doesn't make sense that scott would even know what it is yeah well i don't know i mean i grew up watching like mighty mouse and rocky and bullwinkle and goodness you're the only one (laughs) (laughs) so scott was yeah scott i guess was already a fan of the the cartoon and then learning that his grandfather was actually the voice of this beloved uh, cartoon character um kind of won him over but his grandfather always kind of considered the cartoon as like this stupid job that he was forced to have at one point in his well life. i can't imagine that like um, that becoming your acting life would be like super satisfying yeah and um I mean, a lot of actors have felt this way about being on children's programming. So, I mean... Well, I mean, when you get cast to, like, a major character or whatever, and, like, that's the thing that you're known for for the rest of your life, that sucks. Yeah. Scott, because... A lot of because of this, Scott becomes very obsessed with cartoons and comic books and stuff, and his grandfather keeps wanting him to, like, put that junk down. And um, so eventually they grow apart. Because his grandpa has never heard of nerds. Yeah, he apparently. Would, he just he just does not understand. He does not understand nerds at all. Apparently his grandpa has never had hobbies. Also, he would like Scott to touch a human woman. Yes. He would like that very much. <laughs> it is very creepy. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a typical grandfather thing to want for their grandson. Uh, I, I, su- I would not know. <laughs> I, I have not had this I mean, experience. My so. grandfather always asked when I was going to go dancing with the dollies. So, um, <laughs> When are you? <laughs> Probably never. Okay. Um, so that sounded really sad, but it's actually not. <laughs> don't 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 give us comments reassuring Ramsey. Okay, <laughs> he's fine. Um, yeah, I I can meet dollies without dancing these days. I think um, <laughs> there's an app for that. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't call them dollies. <laughs> yeah. Also, I try not to call them dollies generally. So it's a good first step. Yeah, so eventually they grow apart, and uh, actually his his grandfather uh, ends up having like a heart attack and dies, and Scott goes to like see him when he dies, and he gets um, he's very sad. So he goes to the zoo that his grandfather always used to take him to, and apparently this whole Which time, is kind of like a weird response. Let me just say because like all those kids are gonna see you crying at the zoo, and they're gonna think you're so creepy. But yeah. go on. So uh, apparently, um, for some reason, when his grandfather died, his soul like left his body, and coincidentally, yeah, coincidentally, this is just exactly what happened to the dog that went into uh, Scott's body. Um, but yeah, so it left the body and saw Scott and just kind of hung around him and followed around him trying to talk to him, but Scott couldn't see him because he was a ghost. Um, so eventually, uh, he like for some reason enters the soul of this chimpanzee that scott tells his entire life story to um because he's creeping children out yeah because he's I in mean, the really. zoo being sad about his grandfather being dead like don't judge scott about this like he's, <laughs> he's lost his mind clearly yeah and so he's just tells his whole life story to this chimp in the zoo and and the grandfather's soul enters the chimp and then becomes God enters to, the chimp. Yeah. And then becomes able to like... It sounds like a fighting game. Troll. <laughs> it kind of does. 
um, becomes able to kind of control the chimp, and and so he like the chimp just basically becomes a human, but in chimp form. Um, it's just possessed, really, by by Scott's grandfather's soul. If and... all of this sounds incredibly dumb, <laughs> it is. That's because Ramsey's describing it very well. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> this is this is pretty accurate of exactly extremely. What yeah, this is exactly um, what happens, which is why it's my first negative zone point, and why I'm too exhausted to even to even. Yeah. So, oh, the irony of the guy who used to voice Mr. Chimp. Now he is a chimp. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. God. <laughs> and then, and then later on, he's dating a human woman. Yeah. And it's like, dude, <sighs> Roberson. <laughs> when a woman gets old, she doesn't need to date a chimp. Okay. Like, I, I just, don't, I just, I just don't know how this even happens. <laughs> Yeah. How did how did he, how did they even meet? He was holed up in an apartment. Oh, good uh, anyway, <laughs> I there they did show the meeting, but I don't quite remember at the moment. I'm sure um, he just like wandered outside. Yeah. Because everyone always wanders into each other in the street because there's just four blocks of town. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> so, um. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I guess we should mention the cell phone thing. <laughs> so, we were like, where are the phones at? Because everyone's always just looking for each other, like running around the streets and yeah. looking for each other. And we're just like, this is not efficient. What is wrong with you? <laughs> That's why this feels so unfocused. And we we found that there are instances of phones. It's just that they are never used when convenient. Yeah. And I just don't feel like it would ruin the story at all to have phones. In fact, it would probably help it a lot. Yeah. It's... Uh, I mean, it's not like Zitalu needs to be like, like, hey, what up? <laughs> but like, I mean, practically everyone who's not an ancient entity would have a phone. Yeah. I feel like even Amon has like, you know, he's he's going by John nowadays, John Amon, which is the dumbest code name. <laughs> um, but like, I feel like he would he would have a family plan for he and his leopard. Right. <laughs> he's adapted. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's one of those things. It makes this like comic feel like it takes place in a weird time period because like it does. where are the cell phones, um, everything seems so quaint and old timey. It is, and that was actually one of my original negative zone points. Um, everyone is so old timey, and Gwen is always talking about like her Dixie Mason action playset. Yeah, and it's like who talks like that. <laughs> and so I guess this is supposed to be um, Nancy Drew type thing. Nancy Drew plus the Hardy Boys plus Barbie. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, pretty um, much. So, girl detective, whatever. But it just sounds so freaking old-timey. And, God, it's so weird. It's like decades have just lost all their meanings. Which is weird. Yeah. Because the 80s is clearly existing in Brazil. <laughs> My next point is that I kind of feel like Gwen is not necessarily the main character all the time. It, our view of her feels distant. Um, we feel like she's just like a sad person who doesn't know her own story, so we can't really have it explained to us or anything. So she just kind of wanders aimlessly around and like lives in a graveyard, even though it doesn't really seem like she needs to. She just needs brains. That's it. And like she's getting paid for this job, but like how? And like <laughs> she's got all these art canvases, and it's just like what? 
and how does she know the people that she knows and how does this four block of town uh, people not recognize her all the time yeah people are literally wandering the streets and finding the people they want to find so I just don't understand yeah, it seems like she'd run into a lot more people that she actually knew in life. But yeah, I guess and she had she to go to like the college or... campus or whatever to like actually find people that she may have known in life. But apparently, no one can even tell she's a zombie, even though she's purple. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. Also, the whole plot feels pretty unmoored and without stakes. So, like, how much worse could Gwen's life get? Not a lot. She literally lives in a graveyard. Like, she lives in a crypt. Yeah. Um, so it sucks. Uh, <laughs> it's not great. So it was really slow to get started, and they had too many ideas. They didn't pay off. But then it just, like, at the end, it got so, like, off the rails, bonkers, that it was just like, I don't know if I can accept this. There were too many things. Yeah. I, f- I feel like I have to kind of explain how comics work a little and like i guess it's a little like how tv shows can can work sometimes and it's like you start this comic and your goal is to make it last for years so like you'll tell kind of individual smaller stories but then you'll pepper in a bunch of stuff that allows you to like keep it running um by having like larger stories going on in the background and that was definitely what they were trying to do here and this is this is something that we were talking about uh, a while back where, like, I'm used to books. Yeah. Which, like, you make a pitch, and you, you write an outline, and, like, boom, there it is. It's your entire story. Yeah. And you know what you were going to do. You don't just, like, sort of do, like, a writing, you know, just, like, keep on writing until you get somewhere. Well, at least with, like, yeah. With, like, the first book in a series, you're usually telling one specific story, you tell it, and then if there are sequels, then something might change. But like, you know, for that first book, at least, you're usually telling a specific story and you tell it within that book. Otherwise, and, how are you going to get there? And comics don't start off with that opinion. They start off in the later sequels that books tend to have in their you know later series where they're just kind of like coming up with stuff as they go along. And they're just extending it as long as they can so they can keep the book series running. I would just really... I would think that we would streamline this process with, like, storyboarding efforts. Like, I would think storyboarding would be, like, kind of an outline process. And I don't know why they don't think narrative structure is as important with comics, because I I think it's very important. Yeah, I I would definitely say my favorite comics come from writers who definitely approach with the opinion that they're going to tell a specific story here, and they might allude to other things that can happen, and that can allow it to extend, but that they, they approach each like maybe five or six issues as like one story that they're going to tell and they tell it. I guess, I guess in a book, you don't usually have like a guest artist uh, (laughs) or a guest author um, do like a few chapters in the middle or whatever. Yeah. And if you do, then what the heck is happening? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just a very different approach to storytelling and, and me personally, I definitely like a more coherent storytelling style than, than a lot of comics. And I, I think I, uh, what I was saying when we were having that conversation was like, uh, this is kind of why I don't personally like indie comics is because they do stuff more like iZombie did, where they're just kind of like 
taking their sweet time with things because they're just hoping to keep this comic running as long as possible. And I think the comic would probably have run longer if they told more coherent stories <laughs> in smaller chunks uh, than than what they did here. And left Mr. Chimp out of it. <laughs> yeah. Because um, in any scenario, Mr. Chimp is the worst thing that you can do. Yeah. And, and the big problem with this is, you know, when you get to the point where you're um, told, okay, we're canceling this book. All of a sudden, you're going to have to try to tie up all of those Also, aren't you, aren't you mad every single time? <laughs> like, I don't understand why this wouldn't be like, oh, you're fired. Please work till the end of the week. You know, <laughs> where, where basically you're just like, you know, making excessive photocopies of things. <laughs> and, and just like... Half- Using up all your prints. Yes, exactly. Half-assing everything. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I mean, maybe playing practical jokes. Like, you're not taking this this stuff seriously because you're not, you, like, what does it matter? I can burn this bridge. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it is that they don't want to burn the bridge. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that, I, that I can't answer. I don't know that much about comics uh, <laughs> business. Well, I know that this whole freelancing thing maybe isn't working out as great as they thought. <laughs> Do you have a next one? You know, I'm, I'm not sure I have any negative zone points that you haven't covered. So, Jay Bone's terrible guest art. <laughs> oh, yes. That definitely it would be it a point It wasn't just bad. Me. It caused actual problems because we had a character introduced in that issue. Um, the, uh, you know, DC's Cheetah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is how I was thinking of her because, duh. Um, she a leopard lady. Yeah, literally the only time we see Amon's wife in her human form is in this... In her fully human form. Yeah, fully human form is in this one issue um, where it's a guest artist who who's drawing, like, a really bad Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, like, when you're introducing a new character with a guest artist, that's going to cause, like, problems. Like, maybe I wanted to see her, or maybe I just wanted to be able to recognize her the next time i saw her yeah i don't know and also like man the style was bad yeah like it was really bad and it just it just hits you out of nowhere because it's just like this it's been going along michael allred and then all of a sudden bam one issue just all of a sudden immediately just this drastic quality difference (laughs) yeah none of the other guest artists were nearly so bad though some of them were not great all right i guess that's it for me i i feel like i definitely had less uh negatives than you did uh, but i can pretty much agree with the ones you did have oh well actually i i have one nonsensical history tidbit um (laughs) (laughs) uh skee-ball is really old you guys uh skee-ball is like really old yeah it's like a hundred years old so ski balls old yeah cool fun fact fun fact there's there's almost there's one in almost every comic yes i'm I'm learning (laughs) okay yeah so i guess uh fun thing to do uh that i normally only do on the bonus episodes um now we're gonna do some point counterpoint So I certainly had wondered if Chris Roberson was like super mad that the show in no way resembles the comic, <laughs> but 
it seems like it's not at right. all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like at all. It, it seems like he wasn't really all that invested in the comic. Kind of does, content. yeah. Um, so even though it's it's probably the best thing he's known for, right? I, I, I mean, I certainly haven't heard of anything else he's done. But yeah, it's there is basically um, almost nothing that compares um, between the two. It's almost all counterpoint. <laughs> so the only character who we have in common is Gwen, and she's not even Gwen. Yeah. Um, even she's... the name has changed. Yes. <laughs> so it, for reasons that we don't do not know, um, they changed the name to Liv Moore because, yeah. <laughs> what she does i guess yeah um even all the lore and all the other monsters aren't there so if you're wanting like vampires and whatnot don't look for them on the show nope in fact like the zombies were created in the tv show by like a an energy drink an energy drink (laughs) um which is an evil energy drink yeah this is like the weirdest origin story for zombies i've heard Uh, it's like a monster but Um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah that i mean like you won't there's not even really room for other monsters to show up unless they drastically change like they throw in some kind of drastic change to how the zombies actually came about None of the characters are in common. There are no characters nope. that, that are even resemble each other. I don't even think uh, Liv Moore has a brother. Uh, if she does, he has not been mentioned in like five seasons. So, yeah, so. <laughs> I should mention that um, the two actors who play Liv and uh, the medical examiner, Ravi, are good. They're good. Yeah, they're the highlight of the show. They're absolutely the highlight of the show. The show would not work without them. Um, everyone else is uh, basically scenery to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the, the the cop guy, he feels like literally scenery, at least in, for the first couple of seasons. He has like no emotions fine. for the most part. I just don't care that much about it. Yeah. <laughs> so the iZombie TV show um, centers around the whole like concept of eating brains and gaining the memories of that person. And then finishing their unfinished business, which is always their murder, because um, we're a cop now. Yeah. Uh, except that she's not a cop at all. She's for some reason allowed to go around um, with a detective, like a legitimate detective is allowing her to go around with him um, because she's good at solving mysteries, I guess. <laughs> well, she she works in the coroner's office. She's a, she's a medical examiner's assistant because she almost finished medical school before she, like, died. And, yeah, and I technically that person is allowed to go with detectives on, on cases sometimes, but, like, um, it'd be unusual for them to go on every case all the time. <laughs> It's with pretty, the same detective. It's pretty weird. But, uh, like, you know, we're not going to pick a, pick that apart because, like, that's kind of what makes the thing go. Yeah. And then they, they created a random best friend for her who just, like, appears and has nothing to do with anything. And it's just, like, maybe supposed to be, like, super sexy or something. <laughs> and I have no idea what she's even doing there. Um, yeah. I have no interest in this person's life. So there's that. Oh, and she's got she's got an ex fiance. Um, Major Lily White. 
Yes, which is one of the all-time names. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's it's a heck of a name, really. I mean, I don't really know what they were trying to say about that, but I guess it's because he turns into a zombie. So, watch the show. It's it's fun. Um, in this latest season, it got a little bonkers, and I think it's probably going to end because of how <laughs> bonkers it got. Um, I don't know how much more they have to say, but um, you know, it's extremely lighthearted. So, it's a very silly show. Um, because in the show, she takes on traits of the people's brains that she eats. And, like, as the show goes on, it seems like she takes on the traits more and more hardcore. Well, she's not really um, having to hide it anymore once zombies are out. Yeah, that's true. They're basically just, like, living in a mixed city of zombies and not zombies. And it's awkward. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, the, so the traits, like, give give the show a lot of, like, really bizarre moments that are pretty funny and fun. And the comic would never. (laughs) So I I take it you like the show a lot better than the uh, comic. (laughs) It's basically the end conclusion here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm not going to say it's like a a perfect show or anything, but like the first couple of seasons were were quite all right. Yeah. Yeah, I I like that the show had this. For the CW, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I I like that the show had kind of this format that it was working with of like the 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 murder mystery stuff oh you mean the brain of the week episode yeah yeah exactly that's a great name for it (laughs) that um the brain of the week episodes i i I enjoyed that it went with that format because that was a structure that the show had that the comic does not at all have any kind of structure and the show has kind of abandoned that structure and is kind of throwing it in there sometimes it, Still, it got but, it got real bonkers. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that that I'm not enjoying as much. So I feeling like having reading or watching the later seasons is kind of, eh. and and so I guess that keeps me from rating the show that much higher than the comic because I did I did kind of enjoy the comic. I wish they'd I'd wish they'd either had more structure or gotten more issues to actually do what they wanted to do. But I would not um, read any more issues. <laughs> I'd still probably give the the show the edge over the comic, even even considering it's that. got a really good theme song. And I yeah I, I love the theme song. I'm gonna just, I'm just gonna throw out some scenarios, and you just pick the one that you think you can stand the most. Okay. <laughs> okay, so would you rather live forever but have to suck the blood of paintball dude bros and hang out with your friends wearing no pants or no bra? Um, or would you rather? Find the love of your life only after you've been a ghost for decades so that you can't touch him. Plus, he's a Frankenstein and you have to share him with this ex who is now a vampire. (laughs) Or would you rather be a monster hunter who falls in love with a girl you really should have known was a zombie? Dude, she's not wearing a disguise. But then you get possessed by a cosmic entity, then lose the girl you love to an interdimensional godhood. Or would you rather live forever with your husband but spend most of your time as a snow leopard? <laughs> oh, man. Um, <laughs> I know. They're so terrible. <laughs> it'd be kind of cool to be a snow leopard. But, um, <laughs> but you'd have to be at like a solid most of the time. Yeah. Oh, man. I don't think I could stand to be around that many dude bros. So I don't, I don't know <laughs> if I could go with that one. Um, I might have to go with the um, the Frankenstein um. <laughs> so you that you're the ghost. 
Yeah. Who falls in love with the Frankenstein. Yeah. All right, sweet. <laughs> you have to share him with the vampire. Yeah, you know, it's cool. All right, cool. You, you're a good sharer, I guess. Okay. Uh, I think i i still think i'd have to go with the dude bros <laughs> even if i have to like deal with the uncomfortable situation of hanging out with no pants um with my friends casually for no reason because why <laughs> why can't i just put pants on that's please? what you do in your sorority sister i'm vampires. not comfortable <laughs> it's cold <laughs> this is ridiculous what is this exercise about um okay so I guess I could deal with that because they're like ethical vampires, <laughs> sort of. Um, so here's the game that I'm calling trade-offs, which is very similar. So um, you have two choices. Um, you can either be an elite government agent but have to eat brains and take orders from Zombie Lincoln. Or you can meet your comic writer idol who wants to see your portfolio, but in trade, you have to become possessed by a comic character who screws up your personal life. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely the government agent sounds better yeah, there. Me too. In my <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to go with that one. I mean, and also you get to meet Zombie Lincoln. I mean, so. I do want to meet Zombie Lincoln. <laughs> that sounds cool. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. That's all I got. <laughs> okay. So I guess our conclusion is no one wants to be a ghost or be a snow leopard most of the time. Yeah. So that's our show, I guess. iZombie. Main site for us is captainaway.wordpress.com. Uh, that's where you can go to read my reviews. And uh, also I'll always post the uh, podcast there. Also patreon.com slash captainaway uh, if you want to support us and get a shout out on the podcast maybe even. That's about all I have for as far as uh, taking care of business. So. I guess uh, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Comic Cave. No to Snow Leopards, Helzitalu. Um, I was going to say Helzitalu. <laughs> I came up with it so ah! randomly. <laughs> I was going to say praise the Talu. Oh, praise the Talu. <laughs> <laughs> you were just to say that. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, okay. Ah! Lincoln hates plays.